I just want to tell you when we preach, and it's, a, it's an incredible privilege to be invited. We don't come because of any other reason that we're invited, so we appreciate that. Um, but when we preach, we honestly agonize over what to say. I don't want to waste a single word. COVID's taught us anything. It's like, say what Jesus is saying and no more and no less. And so the word I feel that God has, has given um, to you this morning is leading with your ears. And I get that from James chapter 1, verse 19. And it, uh, I'll read the message. And uh, NLT, it says, post this at all the intersections. Isn't it amazing they were posting before social media? Post this at all the intersections, dear friends. Lead with your ears. Follow with your tongue. And let your anger straggle along in the rear. God's righteousness doesn't grow from human anger. I like the way it puts it. Now I know James is talking about a relationship and conflict in a relationship. And he's saying if you want to, to find a solution, lead with listening. And then choose your words. And then let your emotions be in the back. It seems like we're living in a world where everyone's leading with their emotions. And then just saying whatever they want to say. And then maybe like, trying to hear what's going on. The church is meant to lead even in a season like this. And if we lead, we should lead by listening. Firstly to what God is doing. Choose what we say, how we say it, when we say it. And let our emotions and our, our anger fall into line with what we can hear God is doing and saying. The NLT says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must be quick to listen. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Can you see what it's saying? God's righteousness can never ever originate from man's anger. You can never get to God's righteousness from man's anger. From that destination, you can never get to God's righteousness. Do you get that? So we live in a world that is super, super angry. Right now. Alright? I came across this headline. I don't know if you saw this in the news. Um, it's the UN chief who said, we are one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. Yeah. Don't worry, they've got it. It's the United Nations. They've got the world sorted. You're fine. <laughs> no stress. You are saying we one little miscalculation. Have you ever felt like that in a relationship? Maybe your marriage is in that place right now. Maybe your community is like on edge right now. You're in that place where one miscalculation, we misunderstand each other somehow. We're not listening properly. We're letting our anger and our emotions just lead us and take us. And you're one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. <laughs> That's the world we live in right now. And God is calling the church, His bride, to dance with Him. 
to lead the world by leading with our ears. Are you leading with your ears? Is my question, Lighthouse. So, to lead, uh, four questions, and I hope to answer some of that um, this morning. And um, those four questions are, what is it that God is doing? Because He is doing something. What is it that the devil is doing? Because He is doing something. What is the world doing? And what should we be doing right now? And I think for every pastor who's led a church during COVID, those questions we've wrestled with um, many, many days and nights as we go along. So here's my thoughts. I'm not saying this is all. I'm not claiming to be God and say this is what I'm doing. I'm just looking at the scriptures. And I think it's important for you to know what it is that God is doing right now because you're alive now. And God is doing something, but at the same time, the enemy is doing something. And at the same time, I want to say that the world, people are doing things. And you need to lead with your ears to know what it is that we should be doing. Amen. amen. Come on, man. You guys can, like, you know, you can, yeah. hallelujah, amen, all that stuff. That you, you can chill, man. Have fun in church. The first thing, what, what do I believe God is doing right now? Well, I believe He's doing what He's been doing all this time from Matthew 16 verse 18. I will build my church and the powers of hell will not co conquer it. The word build there is to construct or confirm, to edify or to embolden. That is what God is doing. What is God doing right now? He's building His church. He's building His church. That's what He's doing. You can ignore the church, you can run off the church, you can say what you like about the church. The one thing that Jesus is doing is building His church. He's building His church. He's not going to stop building His church. And um, I want you to see that He's building His church in the face of the onslaught of the powers of hell. So I can understand why people struggle with their church life. Because he's building his church in the face of the attack of the powers of hell. And then you might say to yourself, well, why then, why then is Jesus so focused on the church? And why is the powers of hell so focused on the church? What is it about the church? You know, right now the world is ignoring the church. But Jesus is still building the church. Well, if you want to know why, you read the next verse. In verse 19 it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The only entity on the planet earth that has been given keys to unlock a kingdom that brings liberty, freedom, uh, healing, is the church. It's the only group of people that Jesus has entrusted with the keys that can bring the kingdom of heaven on earth. And that is why Jesus is building the church. And that is why the powers of hell is opposing the church. Are you there? Jesus came to inaugurate that kingdom. He set that kingdom in motion here on earth. When Adam sinned, we gave the keys to the devil. You know, it's like your house. If someone steals your key, you can go and make your flat tidy and all that. I know Clive's place is very tidy. It's 
shoes are in the right place and you can tidy your place but if that thief or robber has the key to your place he'll come in whenever he wants to turn everything upside down take what he wants to and leave and no matter how many times you tidy up if he's got the key you've got no you no way of stopping him you need someone stronger than him to take the keys back does that make sense to you and so when Adam gave away authority here on earth, it is Jesus that came and established the kingdom of heaven again. He inaugurated his kingdom. He announced it. He declared it. He demonstrated it. And he said it's begun and nothing's going to stop it. Then you read Daniel chapter 7. He's going to one day come and everything that's opposed to his kingdom, put it down and forever and ever and ever he will bring a consummation which is not just like the introduction, it's the final climax of that kingdom here on earth. Everything opposed to His kingdom, He'll put down and He'll establish His kingdom forever. New heaven, new earth. The church finds herself in between the inauguration and the consummation of that kingdom and the church has the keys to release that kingdom. Jesus is building His church. We have to lead with our ears. Because if we're building anything other than what Jesus is building, I'm telling you it's a waste of time. Alright. Second thing God is doing, I believe, is shaking the nations. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7. I will shake all nations. Can you say all nations? All nations. You know that word shake is the word ra'ash. It's like rash with extra ash. I don't know. It's the Hebrew word that means to make afraid. It's like when you're shaken. Recently my son was in a car accident. Um, A drunk person drove into him. And when you have an experience like that, it's like the word we use is you're shaken. Do you know what I mean? You're afraid. You're woken up. Shaken is also what you do when you try to get rid of your um, something stuck on you. You shake it to separate it. Uh, believe it or not someone gave me a waffle machine a waffle maker recently and so I've been trying my hand at and so what you do is you put the ingredients in this um, sieve right? Is that right? and you shake it to separate the clots is that right? I'm on my own baking channel, Stephen. Don't worry. We all do. But shaking is sometimes separating things. You understand? Shaking is, is, is the word used here is to make you tremble. It's to topple. It's to disturb. And God is going to shake nations. Even great nations, God is going to shake all the nations. That's what it says. Haggai chapter 2 verse 7. And, uh, you know, you follow this through into the New Testament, Hebrews 12, 26. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, His voice shook the earth. But now He makes another promise. And I don't know how many Christians are claiming this promise right now. But there's a promise from God. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This means that all creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshipping Him in holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. 
I want you to notice the source of the shaking is the voice of God. Not the devil, God. I want you to notice the extent of the shaking. All nations, everything other than Jesus that people are trusting in, God Himself is going to shake things up. He's going to separate it and what's going to come to the surface is that the, the temporary things need to fall away and the eternal things need to come to the surface. And so the church, if we're hearing what God is doing, we should not be focusing on what is temporary. But on what is eternal, because God is going to shape that, and God is going to separate that. My ministry is temporary. Just so you know. There'd be no photos like this up in heaven of me. It'll be Jesus. Someone got interpretation for that time. <laughs> I want you to notice the purpose of the shaking. The purpose of the shaking there is for the temporary and the visible to be removed and for the eternal to come to the surface. Can I remind you in Luke chapter 4 verse 5, the devil led Jesus up to a high place and showed him in an instant the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I give you all the authority and the splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. And Jesus didn't correct him and say, no, it doesn't belong to you. So can I just say all what's behind all of the stuff that's not behind the kingdom of God ultimately is Satan. And it's going to be shaken. Are you doing alright? Our response to the shaking should not be, oh, I'm so scared. The United Nations, one miscalculation away from nuclear annihilation. Let's dig a hole in the ground, put some food away and hide until Jesus, please quickly come back. No, our response should be and all that God with His voice can shake all the nations. And our response should be worship and thank you. Don't fear. Worship that our God is so awesome that He is enthroned above all of this and with His voice. You know when it says that He shook the earth, it's not like there's an earthquake in one little place. He shook the earth. With his voice. That's how God. What else is God doing? He's not only building his house. He's not only shaking the nations. But he promises there in Haggai. He will fill his house with glory. God wants to fill the church that he's building with glory. I want you to know that. And in fact, that word fill means to replenish, to satisfy, to consecrate, to take up space, to fill. And Haggai 2.9 says, The future glory of this temple will be greater than the past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Do you understand that verse? He's saying that the temple in the future will have greater glory than the glory of the temple that Solomon built. Now recently we were in... Um, where were we? UK. 
and you go into their buildings, church buildings, and I mean, you all, it is gold, it is amazing. But there's no glory of God there. They don't even talk about God there. In fact, you pay and get a set of earphones and then go on the tourist thing and anyone can come and listen to all the people that have done this. No glory of God. How do I know there's no glory of God? Because what is called the glory of God is seen through the character of God. When Moses says to God, God, show me your glory, God puts him in a rock and God passes by and God says, okay, here you want to know my glory? Here's my glory. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness you, you remember that so part of the glory of God is the very is the person of God it's the character of God filling his church not a church that's angry being led by her emotions mouthing off to the world what she thinks and all this but a church led by listening to what God is doing Second Corinthians, you can read that. It speaks about this glory that God wants to fill. It's not the temple Haggai built. It's not the temple Herod built. It's the temple Jesus built when he became the cornerstone. And he said, every one of you are living stones that are built upon this cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And God wants to fill your life with his character and his glory. That's what God is doing. A church where the glory of God is so separate and different to the world that everyone recognizes you cannot be like that without God being present in your life. Because everyone else is so irritated, so angry, so afraid, so leading with their emotions. And how do you do it? It's the glory of God. So he's shaking, he's building, he's filling. You doing alright? I hope we are setting our agenda according to what God is doing. And the church is not doing all kinds of other things that doesn't make a difference to eternity. You can read those scriptures, Exodus 34. It's amazing that God reveals His glory like this. Slow to anger. Slow to anger. Man's anger, never, you cannot find a path from man's anger to God's righteousness. Doesn't exist. But the glory of God, slow to anger. You doing alright? What do I feel the devil is busy doing? Well, here's my opinion. Repent, uh, re Rapunzel, what, that's got nothing to do with anything. Revelation. Chapter 12 and verse 12. I'm talking to you and I'm, I'm challenging you. You know, we have these opportunities. And I'm, I'm really praying and trusting that as a translocal um, ministry into the life of this church. Last time I was here, I said to you, I hope you're a stone God can build with. And you know, remember I spoke to you about those bricks that sometimes you... God said to me, I'm taking them out of your reach because you build around them and then it all collapses. And I felt God say to me, I hope you're a stone I can build with because I'm building my church. And so I'm following on from that today. I'm hoping in this local church, Jesus is busy building this local church. Not Anna and Nikki and us. On our, we are building with Jesus. This is what He's chosen. And it's in the context of the very gates of hell. 
But it's because we have the keys of the kingdom. You know how the people out there, the only way they can come free is with the message we have about Jesus. I'm telling you now. It's not the government, it's not the United Nations, it's not more money, it's not more this. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can liberate them. People are broken, addicted, and the church has the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And so I'm trusting today to, to stir you. Some of you have been doing this for a long, long time. You have to keep going. You can't stop. What's the devil doing? Well, Revelation 12 verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who live in the heavens rejoice. But terror will come on earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great anger. I'm again, I'm laboring this point. You see, when Jesus came to the earth, he came because he loved. When the devil came, he came in full rage. And anger. And the glory of God is so opposite to that because it's slow to anger. And I'm just saying, the devil is churning up. While God is shaking, he's churning up this anger. For me, Revelation chapter 12, and I'm sure Alan will be able to expound this even better than me. But that time when Jesus sent his disciples out, gave them the keys of the kingdom and said, Go cast out demons, heal the sick, freely you've received, freely, uh, freely give. And they go and they come back and they say, Well, even demons are subject to us in your name. And, and he says, I saw Satan fall from... From, from heaven. This is Revelation chapter 12. There's a loss of spiritual power in the kingdom of darkness because Jesus has established the church and given her authority and given her the keys to advance that kingdom. That's what we're reading here. And I tell you, the devil comes down in great anger. And as God is shaking, he's turning up the volume on anger. This, this absolute anger He's vomiting it out over the world right now as God is shaking. And despite the war on terror, this verse tells us terror will come to you. People are terrified right now. This is not the shaking of the Lord. This is the work of the devil. We should not be afraid. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, honestly. And we must expose it because this anger and this rage and this terror and this fear is not the spirit of God. That's not the shaking. That's not what God is doing. When God shakes it so that the temporary can become less and we can get our eyes back on the eternal. What is seen is temporary. What, what we can't see is eternal. Are you there? Zoe? I know there's big shoulders next to you, right? But... I hope you can breathe They're both sides. You jammed in there like the bodyguards, bro. I'm going anyway. I watch the devil drain people's emotions, wear down their patience. That people are so emotionally and mentally drained. He's causing people to suffer trauma, pain, and injustice, to heighten their levels of frustration, to bring hurt and offense. And I'm sure your, your stories are worse than mine. To use fear and terror to push the stress levels up. You know what I mean? Um, 
great amount of change in a short period of time. So people are disorientated, unstable, pressuring people to be isolated. Like Pharaoh, keeping people so busy right now that they don't build proper friendships and relationships. Creating chaos, heightening their emotions. And generally the world is just getting more angry. But I, don't, I believe that's step one of his plan. The second step I see, and I honestly, I've agonized over this for the last couple of years. What is the devil doing? Not because I'm interested in him. He's a loser. But, but we're not unaware of his schemes. The second thing I, I believe he's doing is misdirecting that anger. He's getting us to, to fight with the very people that are not even responsible for causing it, we just, and you see it in municipalities, you see it in communities, you see it in nations, it's like completely misdirected anger. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's whipping it up, and then he's getting us to directed marriages, and can I say, even churches. And people are just unleashing their emotions. Saying what they and you know social media doesn't help. People are just it's just a vomiting out there online. It's so easy. I challenge you. Don't be part of what he's doing. Please lead with your ears. It's hard not to get swept up with all the rage and anger. Hey, you read the news and you read all the and you see what people have, and it's hard not to get swept up. Remember, the glory of the Lord slow to anger. Is amen. <laughs> the third thing I think he's he's doing is dividing what God is building. He's whipping up the anger. He's getting us to misdirect that anger, and then he's getting us to divide because he, he knows in Matthew twelve twenty five. Jesus said every kingdom divided against itself. You know, no matter how great your nation, no matter how great your church, no matter how great your family, divided, your strength is diminished. You're weakened. Let's leave it our ears. Let our emotions struggle <laughs> at the back. What are people doing? Well, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, people will love only themselves and their money. If your life consists of you and your money, you know, you don't have to have a lot of money to love money. You know that, right? Money is not bad. God wants to bless you. But you know, you can, be, you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. You know that. So money in itself is not something to be worshipped. Money in itself is not the answer. And that's why you give in your local church. Why? So you don't love money. It's God helping you. It all comes from Him. Not because the church needs your money. God doesn't need your money. Uh, <clears throat> he made everything. Just so you know. He doesn't have to ask me to borrow ten bucks. <laughs> just saying you don't have to ask me he doesn't need me and if the church is his thing I tell you he will make her stand 
but you have the privilege of, of taking your money and giving it to something that has eternal value so you can stay free from the love of money. But if it's only all about you and your money, you, you're doing exactly what the world's doing. If every day of your life consists of you and your money, sorry if I'm unhelpful. I tell you guys, we, we the church, what a privilege. You know, it doesn't matter what we were before. We bought with the blood of Jesus. And in the kingdom, we stand absolutely equal before God. Young, old, clever, not so clever like me. Doesn't matter. Washed with the blood. Now, He entrusts us with something. You have the opportunity of a lifetime to be part of what Jesus is doing. Don't get caught up with yourself and your money. Notice here it says, They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedience to their parents. Here it is, ungrateful. You're. They will consider nothing sacred. They'll be, and here it comes. Here's the spirit of the Antichrist, which we all think is coming through whatever. And I'm not going to mess up your eschatological theology. Alan can sort that out. But they'll become unloving and unforgiving. Can you see the opposite to the glory of God? The fake glory is unforgiving, unloving, more angry, less grateful, more unfaithful. Because the glory of God will be so separated that you will know the difference between someone who has a genuine connection with God and someone who doesn't because you can't produce the fake from, from you can't produce the real from the fake. You can't pretend to be kind and, and loving and forgiving. The anger of man can never result in the righteousness of God. You get what I'm saying? You can't produce the real from the fake. And as time goes on, what God is doing, He's building, He's shaking, He's filling. But the devil is, is whipping up, misdirecting, dividing. And the world is just money and me. More ungrateful, more unloving, more unforgiving. Let us not be leading with our emotions in the front at a time like this. We might be cooperating with the devil in the world. <clears throat> All right. What should we be doing? Well, what are you listening to? <laughs> Not that. I'm saying, are you leaning with your ears? If you're listening to what the world is vomiting on us, you'll be angry and frustrated right now. You'll be focused on you and your money. You'll be missing what God is doing. What I feel we should be doing if we know what God is doing is number one, building God's pattern personally and relationally 
as the church. We should be building with God. We should be allowing God to shape some things in our life that actually has to do with the temporary rather than eternity. And we should be allowing God to fill us again with His glory, which is His character, which is God Himself, His presence and His power. Make sense? So let me break that down a bit as I land. Number one, we build with God. We build His pattern. Be a good steward of yourself. God entrusts you with your life. And therefore you need to take care of yourself. Your mind, your emotions, your body and your spirit. Over a time like this. Amen? Don't, don't, don't be lazy. You know, if I need to exercise, I can't pray. Instead of exercise. Have you tried to cast out the calories before you eat? Like, Lord, in Jesus' name, don't let this make me... Doesn't work. Take care of your body. Take care of your mind. You know, when you take care of your mind, it's not just praying more. Take care of your emotions. That's why you have shepherds. Talk it out. Talk it through. Take care of your emotions because you know what? If you don't, you're in danger. Because you know what the devil is doing and you know what the world is doing. Be a good steward of yourself. And then can I say, if you need to pray, there's no point going for a run. It doesn't count. Take care of your spirit. How are you doing? Your spirit, are you, are you in a good place? Are you being disciplined? Because we're building with God and I am a stone that He wants to build into His house. I need to be a good stone. The best gift I can give my church and my family is a happy, healthy me. Don't you know you're not your own? You know you're not your own, right? 1 Corinthians 6.19 Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You're not your own. You're not your own. You're not your own. Lead yourself well. Find some good rhythms. Do some planning, even with your money, even with your relationships. God hasn't given us a spirit of timidity, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Train yourself with the Word of God. All of this is talking about building with God. You know that God is an architect and a builder. He doesn't build like... Sorry. He doesn't take a couple of pieces of corrugated iron, put it together, oh, another one, add on, add on, add on. Oh, the church, oh, it's going to all fall apart. Architect. Got the plans for your life in heaven. They say Paul Soti, they pull the plans, desert, blueprint, design for the glory of God. Plan is there. Learn to speak properly, please. 
You know that a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. One word, you're playing with the world. One word, one word. Wrong word. You're just in that moment stirring up instead of bringing. Let's learn to speak at a time like this. We listen. And that's communication. You know how communication takes place, right? You know this. There's a speaking part, there's a listening part, and there's an understanding part. If you're married, you will know this. Just because you said something doesn't mean you've communicated. (laughs) Try it. (laughs) I dare you. See, just because I've said something doesn't mean she's heard what I was trying to say. Because I might have said it wrong. So she has to... Thank you, Stephen. I feel your pain. You obviously got some things you need to talk about afterwards. The second part is the listening. I might have heard it wrong. I might have heard what I want to hear and not what you were saying. And then the understanding is actually what is it really that you're trying to communicate? Not, yes, but you said. Yeah, but I didn't mean that. Yeah, but you said. There was a lot of things going on here. Ah, we've worked it out to some extent. But you have to keep making sure that uh, as Colossians 6, uh, 4 verse 6 says, let your conversation always, always, always be full of grace. When followers of Jesus speak today, always full of grace. Gentle words, not stirring up anger. Ephesians 4.26, don't sin by letting your anger control you. You know, anger can be a feeling. And we don't govern our lives by our feelings. Jeez, if I had to eat cake every time I feel like it, there's a lot more of me here. You can't just, because you feel like it, you do it. You can, I'm not saying we never get angry, but how we handle our anger. When, we're, when our minds and, our, uh, and we're weak and we're not taking care of ourselves, and then we just speak, we're not leading the world well. We are meant to be the salt and the light. We lead with our ears. Are you doing alright? Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Did you realize this? I mean, we can talk about marks and code passports and all this stuff. And we forget, like, actually when you rage against someone else, you are opening the floodgates for the Antichrist spirit to operate. Come on. If you're angry with me right now, just deal with it. The the, the third part of building with God is connect yourself. Remember the devil wants to isolate you. Of course he wants to isolate you. From the people in this community. Mm. 
Man, I tell you, some people have been in trouble over these last two, three years and they've got no friends. Pity that person. Ecclesiastes says, pity the person who falls and there's no one there to pick them up. You know why that happens? It's only because you've isolated yourself. And live healed. Make sure you live healed. You know what that means? Uh, there's a young guy who asked us to marry them recently and I said this, I said, you know what makes a good marriage? Two good forgivers. You, you and I need to be less easily offended. It's to a man's glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19, 11. Live healed, man. We've got big things to do. We're going to reach the world. There's always opportunity to get hurt. Always a chance of being offended. Always. But you've got, honestly, you've got 30 seconds. <laughs> Cry, weep, mourn, and then can you please move on? Because what you and I did to Jesus is way worse than anyone can ever do to you or me. And if He forgave me, then I have to go find it in God to forgive those who have even hurt me. And move on so we can get the job of the kingdom done. Amen. The, so that's number one, build with Him. Number two, let some things be shaken out of you. Some things are temporary. I love Ephesians 4.31. Get rid of all bitterness. It's not, it's not rocket science. Get rid of it. No deep spiritual principle, nothing. Just let it get shaken out. Ditch the bitterness. Stop with a dishonor. Even other Christians. You don't have to dishonor them. You don't have to agree with them. But you know what? If I dishonor my wife, God won't answer my prayer. You know, 1 Peter 3, 7. In the same way, husbands must give honor to their wives. Treat your wives with understanding. Uh, last part says, treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. God can't bless dishonor. We can't keep dishonoring each other and expect God to bless. Get rid of it. An offended brother is harder to win back than a fortified city. Get rid of offense. Get rid of unforgiveness. Let it be shaken out. No time for that in these last days. Amen. God is building His church. He's giving us the keys of the kingdom. He's going to fill his house with glory. He's going to shake the nations and the glory of the nations will come in. You know where the world is going to come when God shakes them? You say, how are you doing that? Well, I know someone. God. And lastly, we must learn to receive from God. I think one of the things that's happened in COVID because we couldn't touch and because we spit and we... <laughs> that's what we do when we talk and all that apparently <laughs> so we like you know far away from each other I think one of the things we've we've we've, we've uh, we were in a local church recently and um, after uh, we preached we allowed God just to minister to people and the pastor came up afterwards and he said to me you know uh, we haven't 
ministered to people like this since before COVID. And I think one of the things that, that's happened is we've, we've forgotten how to let God fill us. Do you know what I mean? Let God minister to us. We, we've, we've lost it. We, we, we need to get back to it because He wants to fill His house with glory. And how many know you can't fill something that's full? If you're full of everything else, it's very hard. You see, if your mind is racing right now, thinking of all sorts of other things, and lunch, and bus fare, or I don't know, Brian, Brian's thinking of roast lamb and potatoes, I'm sure. I don't know how things roll in his house. But if your mind is all over there, it's very hard to focus on God is present, like Alan said. He's right here. And he wants to fully again. And so I've realized with myself, I've had to relearn how to receive from God. One of the things I've had to learn is how to be quiet. Be still. Um, Psalm 46 and verse 10. How to shut out all the other voices. How to, even my own voice sometimes. I'm so tired of it. You have no idea. <laughs> I've had to learn. <laughs> I tell myself, shut up now. Just to be quiet. Just to block out the other voices. I've had to learn how to wait. Remember um, Isaiah 40, verse 31. Those who wait upon the Lord. Funny how we've got busy and we, we it's pressure and it's time and there's lots to be done and we're moving on to the next thing. But how how are we doing? Can you stand while I talk through these last things? If you're able to just begin to as we talk about them, do them. How's that? You can get these notes from Alan afterwards if you need to. But how about for a minute or a moment? And this is why it helps to close your eyes sometimes. And we're all trustworthy, well, most of us. So you can close your eyes. <laughs> Just for a moment, not listen for my voice, but listen for His voice. Quieten all the other things going on in your mind. How about us just Wait for a little while. That waiting is like expecting God to say something, do something. We're listening for Him. And then I had to learn how to yield again, Romans 6.13, to offer myself, to surrender. Just to give in to whatever God's doing right now, as the Holy Spirit is, is doing stuff, to, to, to give in to it, to yield to it, to allow Him to do stuff. Can you not try and tell Him what He should be doing right now, but can you just yield to what He is doing? He wants to fill us again. Don't resist Him. Don't, don't. Go off on some track now again. 
to then minister to you. I've had to learn again how to open my heart. It's amazing in the book of Revelation it says that He opens a door no one can shut and He shuts a door that no one can open. Isn't that amazing? But then it says when it comes to the door of your heart He stands at the door and He knocks. He can open any door, He can close any door but the door of your heart He stands and He knocks. Because He's waiting for you Sir, ma'am, to open your heart, to trust Him. Holy Spirit, you are welcome.